Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. G'day, Bailey. How are you? Very well. How are you, Aaron? Now, that was interesting because it said men's mental health matters, but it doesn't matter, does it? No, not, not all mental health matters, definitely. But yeah, there's definitely the demographic of, of uh, men, you know, that may need additional comfortability to access resources 100%. But yes, my uh, mental health is definitely a female one. <laughs> That's it, yeah. It's funny, um, my, my journey has been about trying to encourage and inspire men to make some changes. And uh, your journey is to basically raise awareness around, um, you know, doing things which can... Uh, raise awareness about uh, about mental health and obviously you know sharing your own journey uh, openly and, and honestly and vulnerably uh, about um, your own uh, own experience with it and also your um, pathway to um, I suppose your own um, growth as an individual and being able to you know sort of uh, um, I suppose do things which can challenge you obviously which what which is what you're doing at the moment but um, yeah sort of you know where life can possibly take you from here so really appreciate you joining me now we're at my place uh, here in uh, central Queensland at the moment and, and uh, Bailey's um, uh, graciously joined me here and uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat about her journey and a bit of a chat about uh, I suppose uh, the challenges of uh, mental well-being but also the challenges of um, you know staying um I suppose vibrant throughout life and being able to you know openly and honestly talk about this this topic because it's so important and I think um, we're going to get lots from uh, from Bailey's experience today so I'd like to know a bit about you as a as a young girl where were you brought up? Uh, so I'm from Newcastle originally um, I'm 23 years of age and yeah currently hiking the east coast of Australia. <laughs> so you started the Wilson's Promontory? I did so I started down in Wilson's Promontory Victoria on the 18th of May 2022 uh, and I've walked over 2,900 kilometres to here, to your place. Unbelievable. <laughs> and when do you think you'll finish? Uh, so aiming to be at the top of Cape York Peninsula by June this year and hoping to hit Cairns uh, for the dry season around May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, good uh, good weather. Yeah. So good, uh, good timing. So it'll work out. Well, we'll work out pretty well. So. I yeah. hope so, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, um, you're pretty passionate about this um, this particular, um, you know, uh, topic, mental well-being. And we had a bit of a chat before, uh, obviously, about your own journey with this sort of stuff. And um, you mentioned... No, you, you had some um, history in your family with, with your dad and, and other people, um, you know, sort of having some, some challenges earlier on. Yep. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, I suffer from bipolar disorder uh, and was diagnosed with major depressive when I was 14 and, and later re-diagnosed with bipolar, sorry, when I was 19. Um, and yeah, it is something that is in my family. I have uh, a mother who experienced postnatal pretty badly with my eldest sister. Um, and my father suffered from major depressive disorder in his early 20s, uh, which he struggled with. And yes, definitely had a barrier from accessing mental health treatment at that time and era, as we were discussing mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know, my family were very uh, integral in my journey with mental health as they sort of gave me the vocabulary and the confidence to be able to reach out. Uh, for assistance when I needed it mm. but I know that that's not the normal right you know a lot of people don't have that opportunity yeah absolutely uh, it's changed as I said uh, as we talk, spoke, talked about before but um, yeah certainly um, you know when your dad was probably going through things in his early 20s there was obviously lots of challenges um, it was interesting to hear you say around that sort of 14 year age um, you know bracket that things started to happen for you what was that like as a young person um Look, it was exceptionally terrifying, you know, and realistically, when you're a teenager, you think that you're larger than life, but you're still a child. So I was in about 13 or 14 years old, um, and I was always a kid that saw the life um, as the glass, sorry, as half full, you know, and I was vibrant and creative and caring. And then it was just like somebody got a phone book and smacked me in the side of the head. I, I was just exceptionally 
debilitatingly depressed. Um, and it really came out of nowhere. There was no major trauma. There was nothing that ne went necessarily wrong. I was just exceptionally unwell and, and stayed exceptionally unwell um, until about the age of 19, where I was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder, mm. which again was a really life-altering turn of event because I'd sort of felt like I'd kind of got my head around the whole depression thing, right? Mm, like yeah. That was my Something thing. I, I, I was practicing that. Mm. Um, whereas the, the bipolar disorder... All I knew was really the stigmas and the stereotypes of it. Uh, and doing my own research into it didn't exactly pull up more positive things. Mm. Um, and the, so that was a different learning curve as well. So, yeah, mm. it's been a been a very rocky road. <laughs> did, did you manage school fairly well, like, um, um, through that period? No, it was a very hard time. High school was a hard time because it wasn't that, that I didn't want to do well. You know, I was a very um, driven kid I was quite bright if I don't say myself so myself I'm very yeah. social yeah. but it's hard to excel when you have a 42% school attendance and that was mm. that was literally the days that I could get out of bed or you know could get out of bed get in my uniform and and not have a panic attack before getting on the school bus mm. so those you know it halved my time at school massively um, and even to the point where for example even reading became like an impossible task it was mm. you know that blurred vision extreme migrant yeah bad yeah. concentration so yeah. schooling for me was quite difficult um and in the periods where i wasn't exceptionally unwell i felt like i had to make up for all the time that you know i'd missed out mm. on but then again on reflection that could have very well been mania you know where mm. I, I just sort of disguised as a you know a, a person that was finally well again in yes. quotation marks yeah. so yeah. yeah it was very hard to to maintain stable friendships relationships things like that when you go from being an exceptionally competent um and social person to not returning calls yes. so and that was just yeah my teen years interesting um you know some things that, that sort of come into me uh for me then while you're speaking was uh young people around my teens when i was a, a young fella like had the same issues with not getting out of bed and or not wanting to get out of bed this that and the other but we were forced to mm. back then we were just completely forced to uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't have those issues myself but i know friends of mine both men and uh, boys and girls that had those problems and uh, and we were just labelled and forced. So you know, it's very very uh, different environment. No, and I like I even know um, peers now. You know, and in my ten years, that experienced the same thing. They used to just go to school um, exceptionally depressed and well. Mm. Uh, I was lucky, as I, as I mentioned, that you know, not lucky. You know, wrong word, but. I, I'm grateful that my family had the experience that they did because you know when I was, for example couldn't get out of bed and, and would roll out of bed and would try and would cry as I'm putting on my school uniform and then cry the whole way down the stairs and, you know, Dad would bribe me with a coffee and a car ride to school mm -hmm. sort of thing yeah. just to get me there. Yeah. And I remember hitting Belmont McDonald's most days, uh, which is 10 minutes down the road from my family home, and i just lose it, you know, like complete and utter, just falling apart, you know, hyperventilating, panic attacks, things. And I still remember, and this is a very fond memory, even though it's sadly placed, is my t my dad every time used to just go, mate, I'm so proud of you for getting this far today. You know, really? I'm so proud of you for trying yeah. today, kid. Let's just go back. He'd take me back home, put me back into bed, you know, that thing. But it was that, that was, that was my, even though I was dealing with, I feel, one of the most insidious illnesses known to man, mm. I had the support and the understanding around me that made it, you know, like I have no shame in saying that I probably wouldn't be here without my family. Yeah. You know, now that I've developed as a person myself, I probably would be, but through my teens, you know, mm, like a, they struggles. were, yeah, my yep. safety net. Did um, you uh, experience, like, like what was some of the, like just so people can, can understand if you're comfortable to speak about it, of like course. what was some of the, um, the, the feelings that you had like before you got to McDonald's, which made you feel overwhelmed? Um, oh, that's a really good question. And it's still something that I suffer from now, um, where, like, even when I'm hiking, for example, there, if I wished there was a drone that followed me everywhere I walked, because there would be footage of me curled up around my hiking pack on the side of highways, hyperventilating, falling apart, <laughs> um, which, you know, you, you laugh or you cry. So, yeah. um, but I would get in the car, and it would just be like a, it was more of a sensation than thoughts, right? So I would just feel like a weight on my chest, you know, a, a feeling like I was going to vomit. Uh, and I, I did uh, suffer from profuse vomiting when I was exceptionally anx anxious mm. as well. Mm. Classic fight or flight. So, mm. um, and then I would start to, my breathing would go. And then I can remember just being like, 
you can't do this. This is, you know, you're in, you're in serious danger here. Like, if you go to school, everything is going to be terrible. You're going to fall apart. You might even die. Like, of course, these thoughts are so irrational. But to an unwell, unbalanced mind, they feel so real. You know, yes. they feel like the grass is green and the sky is blue. So yeah. I'd have more of a physical reaction. And then my thoughts would sort of almost be like an opportunist, I guess, and, you know, go in. So, yeah, that was kind of the yeah. cycle. How, how it worked. Tell me, um, like, that might go on for a couple of days or a week or a month or something, and then you, you might come good. So, yeah, yeah well, with my... Because I always tended to lean towards the um, depressive side instead of the anxious, but I feel like they're best mates, right? You know, where one goes, one yeah, likes to follow. Down, yeah. um, but I would go through this, you know, for months and months at a time, which it, it was torture, realistically. Feeling like that for so long is torture. And... Then I just get some low increments of energy back and then, you know, larger gaps between those low moods and low periods and then, you know, light switch, ready to go. And, yeah. and I'd be back into life and, you know, baking and, and going and getting jobs at, you know, my local bakery and like doing <laughs> things all around me yeah. and being exceptionally productive and catching up on heaps of schoolwork and with friends and everything 100 miles an hour. Uh, and unfortunately, a few months later, it would be... Uh, you go back, back down, down again. Yeah. <laughs> were your school like were they supportive? Um, yeah, the, they really were. So I because when I was first found unwell, uh, my family sort of got me into a psychologist pretty quickly to try and see if I could sort of do that. Um, different types of cognitive therapies to potentially help out. Yeah. Um, and after a year or so. I started taking medications from a for an adolescent psycho, uh, psychiatrist and thing, but because we'd gone down that route of making it quite official, you know, going and seeking, you know, sort of uh, what's the word? Not validation from healthcare professionals, but you know, it, we, we took it seriously. That's a family yes. dynamic, yeah. um, and because all we had all that documentation, the schools were more inclined to be accepting of it because you know it was documented like a tangible illness mm. and I think that was very helpful during right. that process yeah. uh, because you know you'd have recommendations from my psychiatrist for example saying hey you know I've seen Bailey this is yeah. what she will and won't need at school at the moment to sort of thing and there's not many people that are going to debate that even mm. if they don't believe in it themselves yes. you know um, so that I was lucky in that sense uh, too so yeah I, I was pretty lucky at school because of the backing that I had from so many different supportive people um but again that's not the norm for everyone is it you no know? yeah I, I guess well yeah it's certainly a few things that were coming to me then like like yeah depending on your your environment and obviously you you were very lucky with the environment you're in and obviously having that support from a clinical perspective to be able to back up what you're going through is really good hmm. i think that's probably um you know got better um yeah. Yeah, throughout the country um you know so since then but um but yeah i, I guess what we uh, what we still sort of struggle with in Australia is, uh, I suppose, the general public understanding, um, you know, that this is a, a relevant and realistic thing, mm. and uh, it's just like having, you know, as we mentioned before, like diabetes or something like that, which is obviously a, a physical body problem. Like there's uh, there's an imbalance there, which is you know taking a toll on the way that we um, that we uh, function throughout the day. Oh, definitely. Um, I I think it's one of the I think mental. Um like illness contributes to the majority of the um, disability here in Australia and, and what yeah. inhibits people from, you know, working and, and going to school and things like that. You know, yeah. it is, um, it, it's, it's a really, really hard illness to manage and exceptionally debilitating. And I think um, that education isn't freely given enough to individuals as to the actual, you know, steps to seek help from healthcare professionals you know medication or no medication that's neither here nor there I'm talking about people that are trained in mental health you know and I have so many people that wouldn't even uh, and have I've spoken to who, who don't actually know that they can go into their GP and get a mental health care plan you know that, mm -hmm. that gives them discounted counseling and psychology and things like that mm -hmm. but we can't just assume that people know that these services are there there has to be you know a, a broader uh, net as far as the education and and that's readily accessible to people yeah, yeah. yeah agree tell me um so 
you're you're like eight or nine months into this journey now. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you've still got a few months to go. Mm-hmm. You've had like like I I, I from what I, I see you've you've come a long way from the nineteen year olds and the fourteen year olds and that type of thing. Oh, definitely. But you still have days where you sort of have up and downs and that, um, you know, now? Yeah, um, I think we were also talking about the um, the dangers of expectations, right? Mm. And I think that even secretly deep down that if I, I thought that if I did this massive journey, you know, everyone has that pipe dream, right? That we mm. think that if we just do that, everything will be okay. And so it was a little bit like that for me, you know, the, the main passion was to help people and myself with you know mental health definitely but there's part of me I went you know what if I can overcome this maybe it'll resolve itself maybe I'll become so mentally strong that you know mm. I'll be able to just live my life not cure it but you know what I mean yeah um but this journey has given me so much more than that because it's given me a lesson on acceptance mm. and and not more so than that as well is the fact that this condition that I manage probably will never go away you know and there's a kind of a a beauty and a sadness to that in the sense that you know I'm going to experience depressive lows no matter where I go but you know I'm going to experience them if I stay at home miserable staring at a wall and and paint to dry or if I'm walking the east coast of Australia so Mm -hmm. being able to be empowered enough that I go okay well this isn't going to change I have to change I have to stop you exactly so I'm just going to do it Anyway, so, so yeah, I do try and post different things, you know, if I'm having a, a low day or, you know, a, a, an exceptionally good day or whatever mm. it is, um, because that's just my reality. But I'm no longer going to keep let this illness stop me from doing things like I previously did. I, I definitely stopped myself out of fear. Oh, my goodness. Well, what if I get sick while I'm, you know, doing yeah. that thing? That'll be terrible. Yeah. And the reality is, it's like, oh, well, you get sick and it'll pass and it might come back, but you're okay and you just do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, definitely something that I've picked up along the road. Oh, look, and really, um, when you're on your own, um, you do have a lot of think time, don't you? Mm. And your, mind, your mind can take you all over the place. You know? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I definitely get that. You know, mm. I, I understand, um, yeah, what, what, what that can be like and... Um, yeah, I know you've got a, a great person supporting you at the moment, so that's uh, that's obviously helpful. But yeah. um, there's another guy that I know that's riding his bike from uh, Cairns to Hobart, and he's he's almost there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Mark, he's he's stopped here um, on his way down, and um, one of the fears that I have, and you know, we spoke about my own journey earlier. Like I was going to do some some pursuits and challenges too, but. What one one fear that I had for myself was what happens at the end of that, like you know what next sort mm. of thing, you know, and and if you do have depression, like you can have an incredible high, but then also you can go into a low. Mm. So do you have any preparation for what will happen when you when you do sort of you know finish? Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to fall into the trap of feeling like I constantly have to have something to be happy, yeah. you know, or a project to be happy, but I. You, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what I'd like to do when I finish because originally I always wanted to do tertiary level nursing and I wanted to do that. And I am more confident in my answer that I have no idea now. <laughs> <laughs> and But that's a beautiful thing because that means that I'm closer to something that I might actually want to do Agreed, yeah. uh, instead of just doing something that's a convenient or safe option. Um, there, you know, I could find another walking endeavour afterwards. I could go and isolate myself on a farm and not speak to humans for a few months that also mm-hmm. sounds pretty good or I could um, travel but I'm trying very hard to create like a, a mental place for when I finish preparation mm-hmm. for when I finish yeah. of what I want to feel like and you know not that expectation is all going to be great but a space where I'm going well you know what we might finish and just want to lay in bed for a month and kind of mm-hmm. be sad and just watch rom-coms and eat chocolate that might be us mm. and if that's okay that's okay you know so mm. that's kind of where my head's at the moment is trying not to have too much of a plan um obviously have all the safety things in place that i'm not just stuck at the top of yes. myself yeah. um but yeah at, at the moment i i'd love to continue to work towards the mental health movement here in australia mm. you know i'd love to continue to keep positively impacting people um and continuing to positively grow myself but no massive plans yet. Just 
just get up there without snapping my legs or being eating by a crocodile <laughs> is kind of <laughs> yeah. top of the list at the moment. You, you, that's very good that you've got that awareness now um, mm. because, yeah, like for, for guys in particular, we'll go full steam ahead. Mm. And once we, we get there, then... Um, then you know we we find you know it's a big high but then all of a sudden we sort of you know mm. we, we go down really quickly but i think you, your awareness is very good and uh i think mark's awareness is very very good that it, you know it's traveling down south because we had that sort of conversation too and i know myself if i had have done that you know 10 years ago as we discussed i probably would have got into a really depressive state when i finished mm. because i would have had to have kept going and going and going and um you know my body would just uh, end up uh, saying no, and I'm sure you're, you've had days where your body's sort of struggling a little bit too. Oh yeah, most yeah. days, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, just sort of push through it. Yeah, well, you got <laughs> yeah, it. So. It's it's interesting what you're um, capable of. So another thing that I've sort of picked up is there is a different routine. I can't and I don't want to, like mm-hmm. massive. Even though those I don't want to's can feel like I can't some days, yes. um, and used yeah. interchangeably. They are completely different. So the amount of times I've been in positions over the last eight months where I've gone, oh, my God, you know, I've really hurt myself or something's wrong. I can't walk mm. 25 kilometres to the next location to get water. I just can't do it. I can't. I can't. And then five hours later, I sort of look back and I'm like, huh, I did it. <laughs> you know? And That's it's right. been done and, yes. I, and I made it through yeah. because yeah. I didn't have a choice. Yes. Um, and as well, it's sometimes it's actually h- harder to quit than it is to keep going because similarly to what I was just saying, um, I remember being down on 90 Mile Beach, which is Australia's second largest. Mm. And this is when I developed my tantrum timer, which I can get into a bit later, but I just sat down on this beach and I just went, I can't do this anymore. It's 144 kilometers long, you know, I'm a partial way through it, I can't do it, I'm done. I quit, that's it, I'm done. No reception, nothing around me, and I went, Ten minutes later, I sort of looked around and I was like, I'm still on the beach. <laughs> if I quit, I stay in the place that was so hard that made me want to stop permanently. Mm. And that is harder than it is getting to the next location. Mm. And so picking myself back and keeping myself going, you know, and that's kind of like life, right? When something gets bad and I think like, oh, I can't do this anymore, I quit. Mm-hmm. You stay in that place that put you in that position of, of breaking right. point. Yeah. And that's not a good place to live, you know. So yeah, your um your self awareness is growing like considerably. So what you touched on there, we call uh, the negative mind. Mm. The negative mind is really there to protect us. Yeah. So it'll stop us from going. It'll give us all the excuses in the sun, under the sun, to to not do something. Yeah. But once you just surrender and let go, and then you start to explore. Um, okay, I'll just do a little bit or whatever. You're actually using the right side of your brain, yeah, right. rather than being trapped in the left, and yeah. that's where that stuck, um, you know, mindset can come in. But primarily, you look back and you say, "Oh, geez, I'm glad I've done that now." And and this is the the tug of war that we have uh, within ourselves, yeah. which is within all of us. You know, it really is. Yeah. I, I every morning I have a practice, uh, and you know when I get up. I, I, some days I don't feel like it and then some days I'm fine but the days I don't feel like it I get the best results mm. because I just like I learn just to do a little bit then a little bit more a little bit more and it leads, leads to something big and then when you get to that stage of completion you've actually got a lot of energy there yeah. so I believe that 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 energy needs to sort of come out but the negative mind actually like overrides you know, um, us wanting to, to move forward. Yeah, retaining it. Yeah, that's mm. right, yeah. So it's a really important, um, you know, thing to mention that uh, sometimes challenging ourselves um, is, is quite needed and important, but yeah. uh, without overdoing it too much, you know, sort of uh-huh. thing. So, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's kind of the only way to really ever test your capacity, right? And, you, yeah. you know, your yeah. potential to do stuff is to sort of either succeed or fail either way you're moving forward a bit yeah. but yeah but you know what like if you weren't in that situation you might have been on the couch in newcastle mm. what would the um what would the outcome be if you had that mindset of you know doing something small like going to the shopping center or going to school you more than likely wouldn't have done it mm. but because you were in that position where you didn't have much of a choice you would you, have you did yeah 100 percent. and yeah. i think that's i think as well where um, yeah, our creature comforts can sort of be the, the death of us a bit, you know, mm, with absolutely. that stuff. Like that yeah. comfortability, that safety, that kind of a bit bored, you know, it can be, um, it can it can be awesome. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it can be really harmful. And like, I find that because I have pretty much taken every creature comfort I I, I had in my life, right? Mm. It hasn't 
you know, made me Gandhi and everything's better. But it's given me perspective on stuff and, and appreciation for things. And I know that people preach that sort of stuff all the time. But, you know, there's a sort of appreciation. And I remember this one day when I was hiking and my back was just like, just cramped and everything was in pain and I was you know blistered and just injured crying (laughs) so it was a Tuesday but (laughs) but I was walking past and there was this bench and I needed to stop and I like to to take the weight off and there was this park bench just that popped up out of nowhere and I remember just throwing my bag down and laying on this park bench and just went oh my god how good is a park bench right like this is the best and I sort of caught myself out just went did I was I just ex- like exceptionally grateful for a park bench? <laughs> Is this where we're at, bells? You know, but it's yeah, it's one of those things that that removing yourself from those those comforts does put you in a position to usually do more stuff um, and do stuff more mindfully as well. So yeah, yep, no, no, very, very important. And you know, unfortunately, like a lot of the issues that we experience with mental health. Um, is to do with like over comfort i reckon mm. you know we've got to actually push through our push out of our comfort zone pretty regularly yeah otherwise we can make decisions which aren't helpful or helpful definitely you know it's easy to go and get a bit of chocolate or uh, drink a coke or whatever but if you say oh no well, maybe i'm going to go and do something which is challenging myself mm. that's when we start to grow you know oh, definitely yeah. and i think the um the more comfortable we get unfortunately the, the lower our tolerance is to discomfort as well so you know you can compare it to maybe a farmer who's worked and fenced all day and this that mm. the other and things and comparison to somebody that's you know just house sat and, and done whatever and mm. say for example both of those people you know step on a spike the reaction is going to be a lot higher in the person that has been comfortable all day than the person that's Absolutely, been out fancy. Absolutely, And yeah. but it's the exact same spike, you know, it's the exact same human foot. Yes. But the experience is different because of that level of tolerance. So yeah. 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 Well, you touched on Gandhi, and uh, Gandhi's. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a I've got a DVD in there. I'll lend you to watch. Yeah. But but what he basically did was just remove himself from all uh, pleasure, mm. and and found out what it was like to be a human without any of that. You know, yeah, without right. any simulation or anything like that. And um, yeah, that's within all of us, you know, mm. to be able to, to access um, that gratitude, which comes from simplicity, mm. uh, because you know we have been sort of trained away from that now uh, yeah. towards comfort and. and on the, on the other side of, you know, challenging ourselves from discomfort is change, you know. So mm. someone like yourself that's, like, had these challenges, you know, for you to be able to move through that and to be able to do what you're doing now is exceptional, you know. So yeah. I think there's some amazing things coming, <laughs> but it's just not about sort of, you know, having expectations or forcing mm. what that might be, you know. Yeah. I think uh, when we're open and we're, uh, we're able to, um, you know, go into, uh, I suppose, uh, the next month and the next sort of year with curiosity and that's when things start to open up like that really keep us aligned yeah definitely you know? um, yeah because usually um, if we can find what that is that makes us um, tick and we really got drive and passion for that's when our life can be really um, you know uh, healthful and eventful I reckon for sure definitely I think as well it's um, remote like for, for me on this trip as well if I tried to problem solve every single risks factor or thing, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have time to do anything. I'd never do it, right? I would just yeah. be walking around in circles going mental. Yeah. Um, but when I first started this walk, I was like, okay, what are the most important things that don't happen? You know, and the first one is, okay, well, we don't, you know, die by natural causes. Like, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we don't put ourselves in what we have a, a bad... Uh, mental episode where we are unsafe or something you know bad happens again mm. and you know food and water things like that so th- that was sort of where I, I problem solved it interesting enough when you have that flexibility and you you st- start to problem solve the things you know the main things the important things that can go wrong and then you come up with a solution even if it's not a realistic one you know you're like oh well if I snap my leg I just hop you know but just like that you've already created a safety net for yes. your problem yes and um so even with this with my mental health i actually received uh tms which is a transmagnetic stimuli treatment um at a psychiatric hospital as i walked through newcastle so i literally walked all the way had a bad depressive episode around sydney carried that low on the great north walk you know 100 or so 200 kilometers to newcastle got there took three weeks rest my family home went into a psychiatric hospital every morning for three weeks got my TMS, three weeks later, 
got back on the road and started walking. Really? And, and that was my problem solving for a depressive episode because, yeah. I, you know, it wasn't going to stop it. How do we fix it? And yes. so, you know, just like that, it was off again. And things like that have happened along the way with all sorts of, of bad or, you know, negative things that can go wrong. Is that if you just got like a little bit of a, a, a safety net, the comfortability you can have to go and, and do certain things has been, yeah, definitely yeah. exponential for me. So yeah. Those little interventions are helping. Yeah. You know, for sure. Do you have other tools that you use to keep yourself like nice and balanced too? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like nutrition and yeah. that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I, I recognise that, um, that, you know, 80-20 for me. I try and eat, you know, whole foods and then salt foods. Yeah. So yeah. I, I will not deny myself a pocket of pleasure daily, right? Yeah. So. Even if it isn't a chocolate bar, maybe it can be a sunset, but I will pencil in something every day that is my pocket of pleasure. It was very important when I was walking down in winter in Victoria, it was going to zero oh, degrees. I can imagine. Raining, yeah, oh, mental. So I had, to, I had to be really conscious to give myself something positive in each day, you know, whether it was a chocolate bar or, you know, even if, you know, for example, when people go, oh, chocolate, and you know, if that's, if it's just your pocket of pleasure yes. for the day, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. healthy, you know, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, for different reasons than what you think but that would be one uh, another one was getting better at asking for help um, even from strangers you know that was something that I because of the politeness we're all brought up with you know that you don't mm-hmm. burden anyone else with anything yeah. I had to get over that pretty quick so that comfortability with asking for help has been my biggest management tool um, I would say my tantrum time has been very effective mm-hmm. uh, and what my tantrum timer is is as I was expressing with the 90 mile beach, 144 kilometers of sand, uninterrupted, you can imagine it would be pretty hectic for for the brain. Um, But I developed this tantrum timer where I put six minutes on my phone. I get to a point where I'm at an apex with my discomfort and just pain in general, you know, and I set my timer for six minutes. I'll usually throw my pack down. I'll usually kick it a couple of times. I then proceed to scream, yell, swear, whatever I need to do, say all the words I need to say, you know, I quit, I don't want to do this thing. Um, sometimes like a toddler, will, you know, lay, roll around in the sand, kicking and screaming, always alone. <laughs> um, and then when that six minutes goes off, I get myself back up, and dust myself back off and put my best self back in my pack and just keep walking. And sometimes I need five of those a day. But it has been a really, really um, useful tool for me because I don't, it doesn't, solve the problems but i feel so much more sated you know and, and yes, settled so, after yeah, just letting it, it yeah, yeah massively grounded, yeah. so that's probably been the other tool but yeah and then always taking care of that um wellness so like a, a quote i kind of like to live a little bit by which is if you don't make time for your wellness you'll be forced to make time for your illness yes, and right. for me yeah. so i just my my biggest trump card tool is always doing those little things that i know i need to do for my own mental oh, health yeah. um yeah. and you don't have to have a mental illness to take care of your mental health but yeah it's yeah. just that yeah. maintenance i believe it's um it's our duty to to take care of ourselves not just look for answers outside ourselves when there's a problem mm-hmm. you know so if you're you know you're a healthy 14 year old girl now or you're a healthy 14 year old boy you're a healthy 54 year old boy or girl um, you know, to do some things on a daily basis, which um, you know you commit to your well-being, mm. whether you have a, a mental or physical illness or not. You know, I think that prevention is um, is where our focus needs to go. Definitely. Like we talked before about all the money going into the reactive side of things. You know, when something's wrong, we'll we'll do that and uh, we'll treat that. But that's you know maybe help people before it actually happens to get um, you know them healthy and, and keep them healthy mm. and in other countries uh, they actually reward people for that oh, right. you know, so they they get um they get uh you know financial um incentives uh to be able to to stay you know a year without uh, having to go to the doctor or whatever so yeah, it's wow. actually a prevention um strategy uh in place whereas here we sort of got it the other way you know mm. so so yeah so it's being able to sort of flip that thinking around and, and in you know some cases it, it's um, it's probably not um, uh, you know I suppose uh, the right choice, but I think if we've got the ability to be able to sort of look after our well-being within ourselves, that can help a lot. Mm. And you know, with what you're doing now, I think that's tremendous because you're actually sort of putting you know, yourself uh, 
you know, not so much at risk, but you're challenging yourself on a daily basis and you're putting yourself out there to say, well, yeah, I need to do this for myself, but also <laughs> I need to do it to raise awareness for other uh, for other people. That's right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I this whole walking journey actually stemmed from, uh, I guess, a bit of my own Forrest Gump sort of moment. And that was actually when I was in a psychiatric hospital at the age of 2020. Um, and... I was a very compliant patient. I just wanted to be well. I wanted to be well like all my mm. friends and everyone else around me. Um, but unfortunately, for a, for a long period of time, just nothing was working. Other treatments, medication things, I was uh, very stubborn, I guess, <laughs> with my mm. illness. Mm. Um, but I had one day where it was always felt like it was one step forward, two steps back. But I had just one day I woke up and I went, right, that's it. I'm done. I'm signing myself out for the day. You know, it wasn't a prison. I could come and go mm. as I wanted to in the day. I'm, I'm done. So I got on my Connie's, I put on my backpack. I'd never walked long distance ever, you know, never done it other than I would walk with my dog. And signed myself out of the nurse's station, walked down the front doors outside the psychiatric hospital at about 8 a.m. and didn't stop walking until about 5 p.m. that night. And I arrived at my family home in Case Beach and I walked in the door and everyone went, how the hell did you get here? I was like, I walked. <laughs> what do you mean I walked? You walked. And I said, I walked. You know, I've just walked 30 kilometers by myself for the last eight hours or whatever it was. And, I, and that's why I'm here. And, you know, everyone was astounded. This is the same girl that was so catatonically unwell, couldn't get out of bed yesterday mm. um, in a psychiatric hospital. And for the first time in a really long time, I feel like I'd, uh, I'd achieved something. I was a little bit proud of myself. And it sparked it. That was what initiated this whole walk was mm-hmm. that one day, that one mm. weird impromptu decision um, to, to just run away from myself. But the reality is you can't run away from yourself. You are you. Mm. And um, that felt good. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. Exceptionally. And I was, I was exhausted, but that really good exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um and then after that, I started doing, you know, long distance walking. And it was one of my, probably one of my most effective treatment options. Mm. Um, and I couldn't say that, you know, if I stopped everything else that I'm doing and just started walking, that I wouldn't fall apart. That's not what I'm saying. But it is one of my real pillars. And everyone has a pillar and they have numerous pillars. And so some of it's art, some people it's music, some people it's, you know, intensive cardio, whatever it is, mm. everyone has that thing that makes them feel yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so that's where it all sort of began was through that. And when I was actually receiving um, ECT, which was another treatment I'd tried um, a few months later, because I was just still so unwell. Um, I remember being, because it's a, they put you under sedation for it. I remember talking to my uh, anaesthetist husband and I said, I'm going to walk the East Coast of Australia. And he was like, Okay, Bailey. <laughs> okay, darling, go to sleep. Um, and when you know when I came to and was in this psychiatric hospital, it all kind of made sense because I, I felt like I wasn't just walking for me. I was walking for all my friends that had made it this hospital yeah. and, and other people that would you know come into this place or, or you know fourteen year olds that could get to school. I was like, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and become the person I needed. You know, when I was very yes. unwell and didn't see a future. And I'm going to just do something so large scale, beyond ridiculous, um, you know, that there will never be another time that I question my, poss- you know, mm. possibilities and, yeah. and things like that for myself. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. When was that? Uh, 20, 2020. It was so, 2020. so you've had like um, a couple of years to prepare yeah. and yeah, while you went. 20, yeah, so I, I sort of came out of hospital. Um, I did a trial run from... I did a trial run from Coolangatta to Coffs Harbour, which is 400 kilometres. Didn't do it for charity, just to see if I could do it. Um, I did it after I'd finished my nursing assessments for the semester. And I remember sitting on the couch with my girlfriends I was living with, like flat sharing with. I went, you know what, if I don't go and do this test run for the East Coast, I'm probably going to do it. So I got on Jetstar, one-way ticket, you know, I got on the phone to my, my dad and I said, hey, Dad, can you drive me to the airport on Monday? It was Friday. He's like, what do you mean, mate? And I was like, I'm going to walk to here don't worry I'll be home for Christmas <laughs> like that would be the concern yeah. um, and he went mate you don't have any gear I said no no I'm in Kathmandu at the moment and I'm getting all my gear stocked stockpiled now anyway it was the most disastrous trip of all trips I did everything wrong I you know it was I went without food I nearly died a couple of times like you know it was, so, it was during the first La Nina we'd had so there was just cyclones it was True. it was hectic 
Um, but when my parents picked me up, and I did all by myself with very little navigation gear or anything like that, my parents picked me up in the car, um, and mum said that I looked like a prisoner of war, but I, she said to me, she goes, she goes, oh my god, you know, you look feral, because I just had like dreads and stuff. Uh, mats, not not nice dreads, yeah. but and I said to them, I said, I'm walking the east coast and I'm doing it in a year's time, and that was the real moment that everyone went, oh, she's actually very serious. serious. Yeah, <laughs> right. Unbelievable. Yeah. So before that, I think it was that stereotypical. Oh, she's got bipolar. You know, it's just yeah, another yeah, grandacious yeah. idea. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I'd had a few in my time, but yeah, that was after that moment. I went, no, I'm doing it, and everyone, oh no, and How it, it long shifted. did it take to do your four hundred k's? took me three and a half weeks, maybe four weeks. So, yeah, that was – I did it quite slow. I had a pack that was nearly 30 kilos. It was ridiculously heavy. And the gear – I didn't need half the gear, you know. It just got absolutely upsailed, upriver. Like, it was it was terrible. Um, posted most of it home through the, <laughs> through the post. But, yeah, just just did it. Unreal. And, and you had um – you had like a just a roll out mattress that you slept on and yeah. just the basic so stuff. So the yeah. the hiking tent and the you know the different um, <laughs> I thought it was a ting bug, um, but the yeah so the the tent the hiking mattress pillows everything like that that I needed and unreal yeah, yeah. Oh, look I really um, admire that courage you know just to go and do that because I'll, I'll be like you i'll just go and grab a couple of things and think i'd be fine yeah but you know you really need to know your shit yeah 100 you know? yeah. i wouldn't recommend anyone doing that uh for the, for the record it was very formative for me but can you can become very unstuck like that mm. you know just sort of all confidence but i think which i always thought was my you know saddest pitfall but actually turned out to be my largest strength was that mental illness had really um, dampened my zest for life, my, you know, my will to live, if you'll speak. Mm. So for a very long time, I was so desensitized to, to, to death and pain and things like that for such a long time, um, unfortunately suffering from a chronic mental illness as I did, that that fear maybe wasn't as, uh, as much, not that I was very active to ever, you know, hurt myself or put myself in harm's way, mm. um, as even though my own well-being wasn't always paramount in my, in my priority list, I knew that if I ever left my family, it would, you know, be horrific. So that was never on my agenda, but it was this desensitization to just, you know, things going wrong, because I already felt like my life was wrong from the start, mm. right? You know, mm. I already couldn't get any worse than what the life I was already living. Mm. So that can you know it, it sounds quite saddening but it was exceptionally empowering because it was it put me in a position that i i, I felt like i had nothing to lose mm-hmm. you know only stuff to gain so i, I put mm-hmm. myself on this you know wild and sort of risky journey mm-hmm. and you know if anything now i'm becoming more and more cautious as i progress because i have you know more that i enjoy and, and more that i resonate with life and how a good life can be as well as terrible but yes so yeah i guess that that was something that i sort of you know there's nothing more dangerous than a man in a fight with nothing to lose yeah, so that was true. kind of the the mentality i came from do you know what like like you you talked about being at the bottom of the ladder and the only way is up mm. and and like we need uh i think we often need uh a reset or a kick in the backside, like just whether we've got a mental illness or not, to actually like realize, help us realize that yeah, I can do better, or I can do more, or I can grow more, or I can you know, yeah, um, become more um, grateful with uh, with the way I function in life, just through these little things which um, kick us in the backside occasionally, yeah. and you, you have something that, that does that to you, but most people. Um, uh, that you know, they don't have a mental illness. Um, you know, get get signs and challenges, but they don't actually like see those signs as a, as a you know a, a platform for growth. Yeah, yeah. An opportunity. Yeah. I think, yeah, and I like the thing is, is that um, you know, you don't need mental ill health or mental illness to understand pain and trauma. You mm. know, is that your worst day would look nothing like my worst day but collectively they're still both of our worst days yes and so people you know can have come from any walk of life and and still find a lot of merit in that sort of breaking point right Mm. where and everyone's gotten to a breaking point in their lifetime unless you've lived in you know in a bubble everyone has yes but i kind of like to see breaking points for me personally even if i don't get growth is that i find that um 
trauma is the the price we pay for breaking point, but resilience is the receipt. Mm. And I came out with that little antidote as I was walking one day, mm. because it's true. You know, any any sort of bad experience you've had, whether it's something you can really grow from or feel like you can further yourself with, it will give you resilience because you've made it through. Yes. You know, that's a non-negotiable. Like that's just there. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. amazing. Mm. See, also there's. There's probably people listening that may know someone or they may be themselves like just in a big hole and, and just have stayed there for a long time, mm. you know, um, because, yeah, I, I know people with, with you know, uh, depression primarily that have just been stuck there. I know one guy that listens to this podcast has been stuck there for quite a while and, um, you know, I've tried to help him sort of, you know, motivate him to do things mm. and... He just pops his head up and he goes back. Pops his head up and he goes back. You know, mm. what would you say to someone like that that's um, that had uh, the ability to maybe make some changes, but just is just a bit resilient or resistant to actually like move forward and break through? I I think it's different for each individual, and I don't want to speak for anyone in particular. But I would say it would be investing you know, redirecting all your focus into something that you're passionate about. Mm. And I don't mean that you have to go to war passionate about it mm. or you have to, to build a shrine passionate about it. Something that interests you, something that fills your cup. Yeah. Because it is a lot easier to muster motivation for something that you enjoy and you are passionate about or you see the value in than it is for tasks that other people think you should be motivated for. Mm. You know, let's just say you're gardening or you're going to work, you know. Mm. Unfortunately, if you're in that place where you're struggling to put cups in the dishwasher, because putting cups in the dishwasher sucks. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's the place you're in. There's no point trying to force motivation into things that don't bring you life and don't bring you joy. So for mm. me personally, like, I really struggled to finish my uni's degrees. But I think it was because I wasn't passionate about mm, it. Yeah. I really struggled with a lot of other commitments and tasks and things in life in general. Um, but I can walk the east coast of Australia every single day. Mm. Now, for me, that's a representation of the fact that that's because... You know, you have to find something that you are passionate enough more than its worst day. Mm. And for me, I haven't had a, a, a bad enough day on this trip that has overcome how passionate and, you know, invested Driven. I am into yeah, it. Yeah. So I would say it would be, you know, not necessarily trying to do all the things that you think everyone else thinks you should be investing your time and energy into. You know, maybe even just for a moment, just, just forget about them and just pick something that you enjoy doing you want to find motivation in and then usually the more you do the more you want to do right like it's a ripple effect mm -hmm. so hoping that that would act like a catalyst for other things that you feel like you're lacking in motivation for find motivation with one thing and then hope it grows mm -hmm. that's yep. where i yeah 100 percent. that's yeah. i couldn't have summed up or like i couldn't have i wanted a better expect uh, explanation <laughs> than that you know but uh, that's beautiful and um Certainly, yeah, like we've all got a gift in this lifetime, I believe, I really do, mm. we get stuck and um, we've all got something that we love, you know, uh, my best friend from my childhood, mm. um, he has bipolar disorder and he's been in out of jail mm. uh, and uh, I, f I find it hard to talk to him because it's very negative a lot of the time Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, he uh, has got a, a gift with art and things like that, you know. And when he when he focuses on that, he's engaged and he's very creative and talented. Mm. But when he's not, he goes into other behaviours which aren't, you know, terrific. So, mm. so you know, for me to be able to communicate with him more functionally, he he needs to be in that that zone where he's feeling his creative flow. Mm. And I reckon we've all got a creative flow. Um, in us yeah and that might be you know just something basic uh, i think the biggest biggest trap that we have is expectation of others and the biggest trap we have is, is judgment of ourselves too and um expecting to to have huge outcomes but the little little steps can like go a long way um with yeah. with, with our own well-being too and oh. yeah you, how many steps do you think you've taken on this trip millions oh yeah i know a lot a lot of steps but yeah i think as well i found helpful um was shifting my mindset from motivation to to discipline and mm. i know that obviously sounds very, very regimented and we've all heard you know somebody some motivational speaker you know scream mm. that from a stage to us but mm. um i think it's one of those things that 
I always think that my walking is like brushing my teeth. Yes. Now the reality is that is that I I never at the end of the night go, I'm just not going to brush my teeth tonight. You know, because <laughs> yeah. you know you have to do it, and yeah. it's just been ingrained for however many years you've been on the planet. Yes. Oh, had teeth. So, you know, for me walking, I don't even get up anymore and go. Oh, you know, I don't have to, it's just, you know, we're, we're walking, even if we're not enjoying it, we're just out walking, mm. it's a bit of a pain in the butt, mm. but that's for me is because it's become a, a discipline and, and I've been doing it and I see it like that, I don't require motivation because motiv- motivation is something that's always in transit, you know, mm. it's always moving all over the spot and I feel like individuals who suffer from mood disorders know that, <laughs> especially, you know, where it's always mm. going, so it's trying to create stuff that's important to you into disciplines so that they don't require motivations even if that mm. discipline is giving a loved one a hug a day yes. you know where you no longer think about doing it you just do it every time you see them you just know just becomes a routine exactly. after a while yeah, yeah 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 well that's it and, and those small steps you know that routine oh, I, I believe you know humans if we can develop a, a healthy routine then we can function quite well oh exactly um, you know yeah so so with you you know on this journey uh, you probably I don't know, 60% of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely on 60% now, which is pretty pretty incredible. It's been, I've really enjoyed coming into Queensland, though, because I feel that the mindset has shifted a lot. Um, you know, I, I've pretty much been into every coastal village on the East Coast, walk on every single beach. Um, I've pretty much stopped in most towns. Um, and I've just, I felt it. As soon as I sort of got up around Bundaberg, everything kind of shifted, mm. that, that real... Uh, genuinity and, and interest and, you know, genuine conversation has been really cool mm. as well. So I really liked that. That's actually been really filling my cup and helping my, you know, headspace as well. Mm. It's just having less interactions but more quality ones. So, yes. yeah, yeah, that's been good. If you like, yeah, obviously keep going north. If you can get to your poon, yeah. uh, it would be great. It's probably a bit out of the road, but that's an amazing place. Yeah. Um, and you'll find the... Um, the communities, uh, as you sort of you know, head further north, uh, to be probably a more raw and mm. uh, you know just pretty genuine sort of thing. So yeah, it's it's how it is and away from the people. population centres, you'll obviously at Townsville and Cairns and that too. But um, mm. yeah, you'll you'll find. Um, I wish I was coming with you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the no, it'd be exciting. It's, yeah, it is yeah. incredible um, how different places, how different environments can. Because we're all, you know, we're, as much as we're higher order thinking animals, we're all animals, right? Yeah. So we, are, we really are tuned in to things around us even if we don't know we are. Mm. And Because it's our fight or flight, it's for our safety. There's a reason that they say you can't fool kids and dogs and it's because that part of their, you know, yeah. I don't know whether you call it their energy Agreed. or yeah. whatever, but, you know, it really does come down to that, you know, fight or flight evolution sort of thing right mm-hmm. so i walk into cities sometimes and i can just feel my whole mood shift mm-hmm. massively so and, I, and, yeah. and it's just and it's because of everyone else kind of around me and i remember actually in sydney um near a place near tempe i was crying just panic attack crying as i as i mentioned before i have a mental illness if i hadn't mentioned it but <laughs> you know we're struggling around sydney and not one person stopped not one mm. person asked if i was okay mm. and i found that even more upsetting because originally I was like, oh God, don't look at me, don't come near me, you know, yes. this, that, the other. And then I sort of went, why is no one looking at me or coming near me? <laughs> yeah, you know, this is yeah. back to front. Unfortunately, then when I progressed into the city where you have, you know, so many people suffering from homelessness and so many mm. things everywhere, everyone's so desensitized. Yes. And I then started, as I progressed through the city for the next couple of days, you know, trying to count eye contact. No, you Nothing. know, it was, it was mm. really, really interesting you know as a like as just to, to observe but very unsettling mm. when i was going you know a hundred clicks south through towns that everyone you know yeah was having a chat and doing yeah, things that's right very yeah, interesting yeah. no i agree and um that's one of the beauties about regional australia and that's the the reason for this podcast is to try and um help us appreciate what we have mm. and uh, help us to you know um reduce the isolation that we sometimes put put ourselves in and, and have that connectivity too you yeah. know it's really important but, um, but yeah you're right and um you know I, I struggle when i go into major, major population areas too but i always you know um i, I, I always am polite and, and you know open and honest to people and yeah. um yeah but everyone is sort of sort of programmed on their own 
in their own lane, you know, yeah. and no one observes what's going on around you. Yeah, well, it'd be exhausting. Like, I, I understand, you know, after I walked through a couple of days, I was exhausted just by being aware of people around me. Mm. So many people everywhere. Yeah. Um, I can see why people do it, but it's very interesting. I think Sydney was um, rated the second loneliest city in the world. Above really? London was above them and something else. But, right. yeah, it was. it's been very interesting, the the people and but another thing I can say definitively is that I have never been into a town yet or talked to a person yet that when I mentioned I was you know I'm fundraising for the black dog and doing stuff for mental health and stuff that didn't have something to say you know whether it was something along the lines of I have a loved one or I'm myself or Mm. you know oh we have big problems in this town or the school up there unfortunately I've had you know a, a passing from suicide Every single person I've talked to has had something to say, which is mm. very interesting. And, and and meeting so many locals, so many people that are drawn to something like this, mm. that just want to be attached to something like this mm. because, you know, either they're struggling or they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves or they, you know, have a loved one that they're so desperate to, to help that they want to just try and outsource any way they can. Yes. Um, has been astronomical. I, mm. I Yeah, pretty... I, I understood before I left it was a problem but i had no idea mm. you know until this walk just yes. how much of a yeah. um epidemic it is yep it's no incredible. thanks for sharing that and, and, and definitely i i find the same thing like i get phone calls and contacts and that regularly um from from you know a parent of a child or you know a, a wife of a husband or mm. or whatever it's very rarely the husband that'll, that'll call cool. someone else that'll ring for that for them or whatever but yeah, like the card that I have that's got a logo on it and people see that and they come up and they want to talk about stuff, mm. you know. So it's very common, you know. Uh, it's, it's very common. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that you're, you're doing what you're doing because it's, it's starting conversations mm. and uh, those conversations, you know, need to be um, uh, consistent and regular. Um, and I just think um, uh, things will change a lot this year. You know, 2023 is going to be an interesting year for mental health and I just think the prevention uh, probably needs to be focused on more and more and the more we can do to, to support each other. So when we walk through Sydney next time, we don't have to walk someone, they don't stare at us or they don't help us when we need it. Yeah. Uh, these are the things we've got to go back to because we've been sort of driven the right way. Uh, mm. We need to be able to be more supportive of each other as humans without, without fear. You know, mm. and that that's that's sort of um, you know a hard thing for people to uh, to overcome. Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. No. And I, I think as well there is such a large barrier um, for young people. Oh, actually, across the board, where people are feeling that they will be discriminated against if they're open about their mental illness to get into the workforce mm. um, or to stay in the workforce. Mm. And I, I've seen and heard first things where people have been demoted, um, but in a way that they can't actually report it because it's very crafty. Mm. Like just that, you know, and, and insidious bullying and things like that to try and get people out of workforces. Yep. Yeah, but genuine, genuine fear that, for example, if they address their mental illness they will never be able to do their lifelong passion of becoming a police officer or yeah. a, you know paramedic whatever it is yes and that's so backwards it's yes. so wrong i and, agree yeah you know if anything i'd sort of go well wouldn't you rather you know somebody that actually is owning and, and managing themselves instead of you know the other two out of five that are coming going to come in and, yes. and not realize and then you know yep. that's sort of the mentality i have but yeah it's very very sad to see especially this this uh influx of people coming out of um degrees at the moment that are very much struggling so yes. under 25 but still that you know real prime time for mm. Mm, yep yep it's, mm. it's interesting you say that i was talking to a guy yesterday uh who has a son in finland that they they get all the university and everything for free mm. uh, the pathways all here but i spoke to another guy also as well he's got a 26 year old that's got a seventy thousand dollar hex debt now so before he starts life, he's got this big anchor, mm. you know. So I think we need to do a lot uh, to support heap, uh, humans and, and people in general to be able to be successful in life because we've sort of got it asked about yeah. in many ways, you know. So, yeah. yeah, so what you're doing, again, is is really, um, you know, really needed. I congratulate you for, for, for this so far and, you know, the best yet to come on the walk and beyond this, I reckon. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah hopefully. Good how, things. How can people get hold of you? 
Um, so I do have a website. It's called wandering-minds.org um, or on Facebook and Instagram, it's Wandering Minds Walk. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that has a little, you know, message me section on all of those things. So if, if anyone is interested in more information about the walk or they want to just have a chat or even potentially game enough to lace up some yeah, walking walk shoes, you, you know, yeah, yeah. I always enjoy a bit of company when I'm out walking. Yeah. So yeah, anything like that is, is very much appreciated. And um, Or if they're in a position to donate, there's a little link on there for the awesome. Black Dog. We've just reached 40,000, which right. is very exciting. Yeah, yeah awesome. Um, and hoping to get to 100 by the end, end of the of walk. Yep. Yeah, terrific. Well, definitely, um, yeah, if I can do anything to help uh, raise some, some, some money, uh, I reckon the further you go north, the more generosity will occur too. Yeah. So hopefully you'll smash it. Yeah, beautiful. There we go. So been awesome we really appreciate it no thanks for having no me worries. on no all good and uh yeah please reach out and uh, and help bailey uh, anyone listening and uh and say hello as well. i'm sure you'll enjoy that so cheers cheers thank you